Matthew, welcome back. It's me, yeah. I'm back. Uh, today, we're talking about Putney Swope. Not really a cult movie. It's just in a song Matt, Little Maddie likes, so that's why we're talking about it. Um, we'll start this off with a quick uh, Jiffy Pop, quick uh, review. The new Mickey Mouse shorts, Matt. <laughs> we just saw one, like two minutes ago. Yeah, well, we did one episode of uh, Lower Deck, so. Okay, well, all right, so we're giving it bags? Yeah. Um, it's a one where Minnie, Minnie Mouse, that's the female version of Mickey Mouse, plays Mickey Mouse, that's a male version of Minnie Mouse, um, a song on her guitar, and then Mickey, again, the male mouse, um, flies around the world and makes a multitude of meme-worthy reaction gifs. Those are moving pictures. Not to be confused with gifs, which are not real. They're not real. Nope. Alright, I'm going to give this one... Uh... You know, animation was... I don't mind the new style. It's like deliberately a little bit rough around the edges. It's not that funny. Um, I'm going to give it two bags out of five. Not great, but I didn't, you know. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, well, for, okay. Well, let me ask well, you this. How many volts are in a CR2032 battery? Uh, well, 2,302, of course. Well, Sprite, of course. <laughs> Can I have a Travis Scott burger? Meal? A Mick, a Mick Travis Scott? Can I have a Mick Travis Scott burger, please? <laughs> Fuck. How many bags are you giving the shorts? Whatever. I, I, <laughs> imagine working as a McDonald's employee. But I don't know why. I mean, that I would I, suck. My heart fly soars with the eagle's nest. With I mean, them. most of it, most of them is just you know first jobbers, and they don't really know it's shitty until they find out that you don't have to work in an environment like that. You have to. If you're listening to this, there's no escape. Well, here's the thing about working at McDonald's. Where else can you get away with going to work high, and then or every getting job, high at work? Every job. Oh, getting high at work. <sighs> Very few. We got a buddy uh, who, who told us he used to get high at work and uh, make Mickey D's all the time. Well, if you have the dab pen, no one will smell it. No one will know. Yeah, um, you know what? The thing is, McDonald's is also the only place where the brain power required allows you to get high at work. So That's you're not true. expending a lot of your mental faculty. So it's no big deal. So, and you know what? You get, like, what, 50% off a Mick Travis Scott meal? That's, like, what, $3? It's just sludge. You're eating you're just, for free. Yeah, you're eating slop. Why do you keep eating there, then? Well, because it's 2 a.m. I'm like, hmm, I'm hungry. Where am I eating? McDonald's. McDonald's. Well, sometimes I'll go to 7-Eleven. But most times you go to McDonald's. Give it to me. <laughs> most times you go to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, most times. Well, what am I getting at 7-Eleven? I'm getting, oh, it's 2 a.m. I go to... An apple. I'll just eat at home then. I go to Seven Eleven. <laughs> Why don't you just eat at home if McDonald's is so shit? Then I go to Seven Eleven. It's two a.m. Oh, do you have a hot dog? No, it's fucking dripped out all of its juice. It's, it's crinkly. <laughs> it's wrinkly and it's prinkly and it looks like shit. It looks like it looks like some raspy teens dingling post castration in the pickle juice. <laughs> and then I ask. I go to checkout, guy says, you want any fresh hot dogs, any fresh taquitos? And I say, yeah, but you don't have those. <laughs> well, they'll and make them for you. You just have to wait. I'm not waiting in a 7-Eleven. I want to get the fuck go out we'll of Go wait that. in the McDonald's drive-thru, though. Yeah, that's way more comfy in your car listening to music than the 7-Eleven where the guy working the cashier looks like he wants to not be fresh anymore and <laughs> he wants everyone out, 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 out. You, you know, come in, when I get, the guy's when I, looking the other way from the door and says, hey, welcome to 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I go to 7-Eleven, it feels like, it. you know, it's like my home away from home. Because yeah, it's so homey. Where else can I go? You know, it's 3 a.m. I, I had a little too much th that night. Mm -hmm. I got, you know, where am I going to go besides home? Well, they're, yeah, they're the new pizzeria in town. 
look and up. And they got new, they're the new pizzeria in town as well. Don't forget to try their pizza. It's pretty good stuff. The pizzas are now six inches in diameter with a total of four pepperonis on them. I mean, you don't need more than four pepperonis. You need, like, what, two pepperonis per pizza slice? Like, two slices of pizza. No, you get the two-topping extra pepperoni. Domino's. Um, UM50. If you are listening to this, use that code even if you're not in university. They do not care. UM50. UM40, actually. The code is UM50, but it gets you 40% off. Okay. Okay, sorry. Yeah. You know what? Here's what I'll say. Um, The pepperoni... At the end of the day, you feel like it's there just because they put it on there. And, what? you know, it's Who just... Who thinks that? Me, you know? Like, when I get a pepperoni pizza, I'm like, all right. If I get a cheese pizza, I'm like, all right, you know? I guess I'll get pepperoni, but... That's good. At the end of the day, it's not worth... It's not worth the pain the day after. The pizza? Yeah. Well, I don't... I'm not having The number pain. one cause of indigestion in America, I can confirm. I wake up the next morning, I fart a total of nine to twelve times, <laughs> and then I move on with my day. You just you just have a couple of farts? A couple and of... Get... And <laughs> you keep it... Keep on trucking. <laughs> keep on riding the free world. That's what I do. Well, you know what? I Some of us aren't granted that luxury, so... And you know what? Fuck, fuck 7-Eleven and fuck McDonald's. I hate junk food. All my homies hate junk food. Go to 7-Eleven, get a milk to go, get a ramen. Mm-mm-mm. Get a pack of cigs. Get a, pa- a couple packs of cigs. Get a lottery ticket. Oh, you didn't win again. <laughs> get some more cigs <laughs> to drown the pain. That's right. Again next week. Oh, doesn't work. All right. We're switching over to uh, windshield washer fluid, and we'll see how that goes. There's a new pizzeria in town, is what you said earlier. That's a great slogan. Mm-hmm. That's it, what they are. It's good pizzeria. It's good advertising. And you know the Travis Scott meal? That whole thing is good advertising, too. Because Cactus Jack sent me. Who? When was the last time you've seen an, a menu item transcend, you know, pop culture like this? Where remember remember when they tried to force that shit with, like, is a Big Mac still a Big Mac? See, that shit doesn't it. work, okay? Oh, my God. That was embarrassing. They st- they they pull- they brought that back and nobody cared. Well, they just sometimes they recycle campaigns. I don't know if you guys noticed, but you'll see a commercial on TV and then you'll see it like three years later and it's the same commercial. Yeah, yeah, I, that's just a thing. You know, we need some originality in advertising. I like I barely use Twitter, barely, and like the one time I used it a couple years ago, I just saw in McDonald's they made some posts like, oh, "How do you like to eat your chicken nuggets?" And I commented. Typed it out. I said, I like peeling off the skin and just eating the skin. And then I'll just play with the nuggets <laughs> around in my mouth and then eat them. And they liked it. Can we have proof of this? <laughs> yeah, I'll find it. It might be on a deleted account, but I'll, I'll find it later. I'll say the best trend in fast food marketing is this thing now where you have these accounts for Wendy's, McDonald's, mm-hmm. big accounts. Mm-hmm. And uh, rather than act professional, they tweet like they're teenagers <laughs> I a, saw Wendy's is making a McCrappinator in an, e- in an effort to ingratiate themselves with their younger consumers. So, you know. <laughs> and you say silence, friend. McDonald's be like, you know. McDonald's tweets something like, bitches be like, <laughs> oh, I don't want any fries. And then they eat your fries. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, you know that feel, bro? Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. that feel. When you go to the. Yep, 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 yep. And then they eat your fries. I know it. When that's, they say, I, I don't want a Baja blast. And then they say, hey, can I have a set bigger Baja? And you say, no. And you throw it at the window. <laughs> and you say, none of us are kidding you. That's a, you know, that kind of ties into the ending of the film that we're talking about today. Let's start with the ending. Matt? Let's start with the ending of the film. You know, we need fret. We need some. Hey. Give me that. Wait, just let me use it. Come on. Okay, okay, okay. Um, we need fresh voices in advertising. Mm-hmm. And there's one man who's going to do the job. Mm-hmm. What's his name? But you saw... <laughs> what are you imitating? <laughs> no. His name is Putney Swope. All right? Let's give a quick rundown of this movie. Yeah. Um, the basic plot here from this 1969 film, Black and White, Low budget, directly directed by the Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. Senior. Directed by Robert Downey uh, Iron Man Jr. 
And what we have here is a little bit of a political slash social satire. It's got a kind of an offbeat, almost a Doctor Strange low kind of feel, you know? Kind of. Well, a, a bit less dry, but yeah. Less dry than Strange Love? Yeah. I haven't seen Strange Love. is pretty dry. It's pretty dry. This one had probably his more explicit or overt jokes that are just like, haha. And I forget the runtime of Doctor Strange Love, but. Um, this one's short, it's 84 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very short. Here's the deal, alright? There's this advertising company. What Full was of it? Whiteys. Full of Whiteys, and there's one black man on the board named Putney Swope. Yeah. He opposes, you know, the advertising of alcohol. Cigarettes and army toys or whatever. You know, things that corrode and corrupt our society mm -hmm. before our very eyes. Um, the chairman of the board of this advertising agency just dies. Yeah, during a, a meeting. During a meeting. And they find out that company policy dictates that the chairman will be put to a vote. Mm-hmm. And everybody votes for who they think won't win, which is the black man. Yeah. And then he wins. And then he wins. Yep. And ladies and gentlemen, this is his story <laughs> of the great Pudney Swope and his efforts to change the world of advertising with unconventional, unseen, and unbelievable tactics. Yeah. It's kind of funny, too. And he rebrands a company. He gets rid of most of the white people, plays them with soul brothers and sisters, and uh, changes it to, like, Truth and Soul Incorporated. Truth and Soul Incorporated. Yeah. What do you think of this movie? Uh, it was pretty good. Um, I hate advertisements with <laughs> a burning passion. Most people who know me know that I... In a perfect world, this would not be a thing, or it would be very less. I go check the mail. Okay, unsolicited advertisement. Thank you. I go watch <laughs> YouTube. Oop, advertisement. Thank you. Thank you. What's go the price you pay? You think you get uh, advertisements? Watching a TV show. Four minutes of show. Four minutes of advertisement. Thank you. Flipping across stations. Oh, crash! Bang! Where should you go? Don Vito! Collision and glass! Yes. Yeah, I hate advertisement. I hate it so much. So seeing a movie making fun of that specific thing is great. Uh, the whole Making fun of the whole business is just hilarious. Um, one thing that this movie does, it's black and white. And that was a, that was a budget choice, I believe, because this film is pretty low budget. I, okay, I didn't know that as a budget I, choice because they have everything in black and white, but they have these little snippets, these segments that they'll throw in of these advertisements that they're making, and those are the only scenes in color. And I, what I kind of assumed from that, or my interpretation of that choice was that it's like, oh, the world is so bleak and dark, but only in advertisement does the world have like any color. And it was kind of lampooning people who think like that. Mm -hmm. Or, like, the actual advertising companies that push that message or whatever. Mm -hmm. I thought they were just making fun of that in a very, very uh, subtle way. But uh, if it was just a budget choice, never mind. But I'm still going to think of it like that. It's not like they did. I mean, they, they probably could have shot in color, but I think that was a deliberate choice as well. I like that. I like all the commercials that are in this film. Mm -hmm. uh, all of them are hilarious. This movie is a is a comedy, a satire, a satirical comedy. Yeah. But it's it's so off kilter in its humor. It's it's everything feels like almost a little bit off. Mm -hmm. The commercials are hilarious. For example, the Jim Taranga commercial, which you know my fellow Avalanche's fans will know because that's for a sample. Ethereal cereal. Jim Taranga from Watts, California, is eating a bowl of ethereal cereal. Um, ethereal cereal has the added punch of 0 0.02 units of pectin. No shit! No shit! That's, no, fun no. That's funny. It just holds on his face after he says no shit. Yeah. That was like... That, that's a great also example of, of the racial humor that this film plays on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... It's a strange, it's, a, it's an interesting pick, I feel like, 
that Robert Downey Sr. made this movie. I don't know much about him. Me neither. I went to his Wikipedia page. Didn't even have a picture for him. So that's when you know it's kind of uh, kind of rough. I think this, for the most part, uh, as the writer and director of this film, this is his claim to fame. Mm -hmm. Besides Iron Man being his little baby son. <laughs> also, that was him in those Marvel movies playing Iron Man's dad, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, this is a this is a, a interesting piece. Came out in 1969, so very zeitgeisty, of course. But it's a, it's it's a it's a comedy that advocates for black power, while also to a degree subtly critiquing or like poking fun at some stereotypes on both sides. Like what? For example, I don't know if you got this vibe, but there's one character in this film. Um, I didn't even think he's given a name. He's just the Arab. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yep. about? This Arab guy? This may be a uh, gross misinterpretation, but the fact that he was Muslim and that he was really loud and outspoken, he had those glasses all the time. You think time. it was making fun of Malcolm X? A little. Yeah. That's, okay. That's what I was thinking. Uh, Wasn't there a character named Marion X? Or some Myron X or something? Yeah. Okay. Which I, I guess also is a reference to that. I, the Arab character is funny. Basically... He opposes Putney. He's this this like young guy. He's just this young guy who carries a cane all the time. Yeah. The first major scene you see him in, he's like trying to mack on uh, Putney Swope's girl. Yeah. Um, and basically every he opposes Putney at every turn, uh, and every time he just starts rambling and rambling about like basically nonsense. Like he just <laughs> he won't stop talking. Uh, and and Putney, he he's a big source of anger for Putney. Yeah. I thought his character was funny, and of course at the end, which we'll talk about a bit later, he has a nice little gotcha moment. Uh, I thought that was a jab at Malcolm X. Yes, I also saw like you know there's a meeting that Putney has when trying to get some new accounts mm -hmm. for the firm, and there's these Black Panther type characters who are like. Nonviolence is not the way. You know, yeah. you need to lead through guns and through force. And I thought that was a, a nice little a little prod at I don't know some of the more radical members of the the, the big thing for me in this movie was uh sorry did I cut you off? No, I was just oh, joking. Okay. In <laughs> <laughs> um, this, like, they kind of are lampooning Putney or this idea of the black man who wants to come in and shake things up and then just becomes another white man, pretty yeah. much. Um, where the Black Panther characters come and then he dresses up in, like, a leather jacket and his little beret and everything. But uh, other than that, he's just, like, in a two-piece, in a two-button suit. Um, there's a great scene that I love where the one of the few white guys comes up to him and he's like, I notice I get paid, like, less than all the other executives. I'm just wondering if I can get a raise or something. And he's like, if I gave you a raise, I'd have to give everyone a raise, and then they'd still be making more than you. And he was like, oh, I didn't think about it like that. He's like, yeah, that's why I don't get paid as much. You don't think. <laughs> the film has a lot of great sort of one-off scene jokes like that. Yeah. It Let's 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 make the obligatory airplane reference here. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like airplane. <laughs> not really. It's not really like airplane. It's much more narrative than it's and it's a lot deeper yeah. than the airplane. But it just uh, it does have uh, a lot of one-off jokes and such, visual gags, a lot of uh, physical humor as well. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty funny film. And I feel like for the most part, films like this tend to be pretty hit or miss for me. Fun fact, first time I saw Doctor Strange, though, I didn't really like it. Yeah. I was like, this movie... I saw it when I was like, hmm, uh, like 15, 16... I was like, uh, what's where's the where's the joke? Where's the joke? Yeah, <laughs> when no the... fighting in the war room. Yeah, like, and I was like, okay, it's kind of fun. Then I watched it again, and I was like, I had a little bit more appreciation. It's a it's a different style of comedy, and it's interesting that these, I guess, kind of came out relatively close to each other. I think Strange Love was sixty four or something. Something like that, yeah. It makes me almost yearn for more films like this of this era of like this. It's sort of straight face satire of establishment. They almost do that a little bit as well in Cannibal Holocaust, but obviously that film is not a comedy. Well, what about... Uh, maybe it's not straight face, but, like, sorry to bother you. 
It's sorry to bother you. I thought of many times during this film. Yeah, and it, and it, and there's a lot of stuff that I'm seeing, perhaps originated from this film. Sorry to bother you was the easy example, because it it sort of mixes corporate and racial mm -hmm. and social satire all together. The other thing, which is noteworthy, and I wonder, I'm starting to wonder if that was a very deliberate reference to this film. Is that, and sorry to bother you. They have a white voice. Yeah. Now. In this film, Punny Swope doesn't have a white voice, per se, but he is voiced by a white guy, Robert Downey Sr. Yeah. Um, what happened is that... Uh, who's the actor who plays Putney Swope? Something Johnson. I'm going to just double-check quickly. Sure. You've, you filled the void of noise. Yeah. Well, like, he... I don't want to say, like... Well, uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but you know how, like... In this time, and some people still do, like, a lot of black people kind of had that enunciation when they would, like, yeah. talk. I don't know if that has a an actual word to describe it. Like, like just an enunciation. Yeah, well, like, I don't want to call it an accent, but you know what I, I mean? Their affectation. Their affectation, <laughs> yeah. Um, but he is just, like, a typical white voice. He's just like... Rah, 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 rah. Yeah, and the and uh, it has a funny origin. Aaron Johnson, who plays Putney Swope in this film, mm -hmm. um, supposedly, according to Robert Downey Sr. and DVD commentary for this film, had a great difficulty memorizing his lines. And Robert Downey Sr. put a plan in place in which that he said it wasn't that big of a deal because he was going to dub over all his lines anyway. So Robert Downey Sr. is the voice of Putney Swope in this film, the, the gravelly kind of... Wait, he was going to do it regardless? I was just playing from the start? I believe so. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it, I don't know if I it the way it seems set up from what I've read on the film, which is not a lot. It seems like Robert Downey Sr. kind of had that idea in mind, and Aaron Johnson, not really knowing his lines, was kind of just a bonus way of getting to it. Okay. This it's a funny little element of the film because number one, you get like some funny lip syncing. I think the whole for the most part, it's like okay, but then of course there's scenes where like it's clearly not him speaking yeah and i actually didn't mind that because there's almost layers to that idea it like there's the idea of the assimilation mm -hmm. of putney swope just becoming like just another crack on the corporate <laughs> board yeah um there's also the just the idea that like i don't know like in this film it's almost like a meta aspect like even though he's a black man and the lead character they still need to have a white man voice him over yeah i don't know maybe this is over interpretation from my part but it's almost it's a small tidbit of the movie that i think adds to it a lot um if this film has any cult appeal i like to think that's part of it <laughs> okay but sorry to bother you makes me think of that because in that film they have a white voice and it's I also am. and it's also poorly dubbed like deliberately yep. um the other thing is that I found out that uh, this film, Paul Thomas Anderson is a big fan of this film, and he uh, referenced a couple elements of this in Boogie Nights. Not nothing that would relate like thematically, but for example, he has a he has a Chinese character throw firecrackers in the movie. Oh, really? And there's a guy, the black guy Don Cheadle in the film. His name is Buck Swope. Okay. Yeah. So apparently, this is a fan favorite of many a director. Huh. Uh, it's a relatively little-known movie. I guess that's probably my best argument right now for why it's a cult film. <laughs> you don't have to make an argument. I don't <laughs> care. Um, no, but uh, it's all it's all a relatively well-done blend uh, of humor, of, like, a little drama, although it's not, like, super serious. Mm-hmm. The I have only very small problems with this movie. Okay. Like, one thing is a pacing thing. Yep. Sometimes in this film, scenes drag, or mm -hmm. jokes don't land, and then they keep going and going and going. Or sometimes you'll have a good idea or scene going through, and it's abruptly cut. Because this film has a lot of ideas, comedy-wise or otherwise, uh, and because of it, you're getting not a frenetic sort of editing style, but there's a lot going on within any given span of 10 minutes in the film. Uh, and because of that, it can be probably a little bit harder for audience is not used to that um style of filmmaking to watch it's kind of the dr strange love effect i wonder if this movie will get better if i watch it more and more probably but uh, that's something you're gonna have to cope with and 
I there's a lot of '60s movies that I think have perfect pacing and I love. I think Midnight Cowboy, which is one of my favorite movies, I think it's masterfully paced. It's just it's a breeze to go through. So that's not excusing the style of filmmaking. It's just at some points in this film, you know, there's some things that just don't work and they either last too long or there's things that do work that don't last long enough. Like 2001 is perfectly paced. <laughs> well, I don't want to say no, but like, don't tell me that at any point, and there was no point in the movie where it like, <laughs> like I remember the scene where Dave is going through the vortex, uh, and that's a, an amazing scene, but then like five minutes in, I'm like, what's next? Yeah, let's get it going. I've seen the colors. Let's go. And then there's like that one, they have this weird kind of race trader scene where this guy comes to like advertise this product. Um, it's like a windshield uh, cleaner. Yes, he advertised a windshield, or a, a window, window cleaner. cleaner. Yeah. Um, and the problem he cites is that it smells pretty bad, even yeah. though it's effective. Yeah, so Putney, or so you continue. Yeah, so then Putney Swope's like, oh, we'll put uh, soy in it and sell it as a tree, uh, cheap pop in the ghetto. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and see, that was that. And then you see this character have a face of frustration almost after. And I guess it's, um, I guess that's just part of the evolution. It's, it almost feels like the character for Putney in this is that, like, he goes from earnest man to sell out. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, he he calls it quits mm -hmm. and, he, and he realizes the error of his ways. Yeah. Which is, a, which is something we've seen in a lot of films, but this film does it in such a strange way because Punny himself is not a man of great charisma. You no. could argue that Aaron Johnson's performance in this is like not great. You don't a, like it. You don't like it. Nah. He's very static. Yeah. As it's, you know, there's a lot of vibrant characters and scenarios in this film. Um, and perhaps it's a deliberate choice to have a relatively... Uh, unaffected, uh, serious businessman in the center of it all, but it's not exactly a captivating performance. Mm. I like a lot of the uh, performances from the cast and and supporting performances like the Arab. I like, I like uh, the board members mm -hmm. as few as little as we see them. I like this photographer guy that keeps showing Me up. Me too. And the end of his like little storyline is just so hilariously absurd that like that was one of my favorite moments of the film. I guess we can just say. Yeah. Throughout the film, he's just pitching to Putney to let him work on some advertising. Yeah. Uh, and Putney says, well, you're one of the best advertisers in the business because he shows him his portfolio that contains shots from work with IBM and Colgate. Uh, and Colgate. Uh and Putney brushes him off initially, and we see this character reappear multiple times in the film, just continuing to fill his portfolio. I did this for Colgate. I did this for IBM. I did this for... <laughs> <laughs> I did this for Rockefeller. Yeah. I also did this one for Rockefeller. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the, the, I guess, like, kind of, like, the villain in this movie. No, I was waiting to bring it up, but go for and it. And that brings us to that. So, the president of the United States in this film is this small man named Mimeo. Yep, President uh, Mimeo. That apparently, that this, there's, like, okay, the, the president's advisor is, like, this, like, Nazi scientist. Yep. Um, and I guess he put Mimeo into the presidency, um, and he's kind of his puppet. Uh, Mimeo is just a little person from a Barnum and Bailey circus you yep. mentioned. So he's just a, a quote-unquote circus freak. Who was the president at the time of this movie? Um, I want to say 69? Nixon? Nixon got elected in... I want to say he got elected in 69. Yeah. Uh, however, that would have been in November. Yeah. Or perhaps... I. You know what? I think it might have been Nixon at this point. Keep, uh, keep going. I like... Uh, and I'll check on it. Well, I'm just asking. I didn't look it up, but I was like wondering if that was supposed to be a jab at anyone, but I couldn't like think of why or yeah. how it would be a jab. There's one point where that photographer uh, is in Mimeo's bedroom with yep. him and his wife, mm -hmm. and rather than show him advertisements he'd done, he's done he shows him portraits yeah. he's done for prior presidents like Lyndon B. Johnson doesn't he say Nixon he says Nixon he's, in the scene he says yeah he says uh, Kennedy Johnson and yeah. then Nixon uh, and so I'm gonna assume and I'm just gonna double check right away but I think Nixon was president I guess beginning January 69 yeah January 2069 would have been the start of his term um, but yeah 
So then in that scene, which I love so much, um, what does he offer him? He's like, can I join you guys? Because <laughs> um, they were like kissing in bed and he just appears in the room, which is so funny. He just walks up. He's like, I did this for Nixon. I did this for Johnson. And then he's just like, can I join you guys? And he's like, sure, why not? And and then he just takes his clothes off and they start rolling around. <laughs> that shit was funny. I think that was the last time we see him. No, we see him again. Oh, do we? Yep. And then he appears like at the end uh, or one more time and he's like, I did this for Colgate. I did this for IBM. I did this for Mr. Swope. I did this for... Yes, you're right. And you know what? That's You can almost call this film sort of absurdist. Those are small absurdist elements of the film really make it for me. Uh, that and like just kind of like the strange like like dry uh, punchlines or swift yep. endings to scenes like whatever happened that was kind of surreal didn't just happen or is just taken in stride. I don't know. There's a lot to live about uh, a like about the vibe of this movie, which some people I think might perceive as dry mm-hmm. because you're not having like laugh out loud. Ooh, ooh he <laughs> is, he lost his pants. Oh, he's naked <laughs> in the school. <laughs> But oh, uh, you know, there's no moments like that, you know, like the most over visual joke is towards the end of the film when Putney is just straight up dressing like Fidel Castro. Yep. He has a big ass cigar. He's got yep. that weird hat and, mm-hmm. and the army slacks. And he's even got the beard to pull it off. He looks like black Fidel Castro. Yep. So he's, uh, there's some good, there's a, there's some small political touches there as well. One thing that I was thinking about while I was watching this film yeah. Did Robert Downey Jr.'s blackface performance in Tropic Thunder, was it influenced by this? Because number one, they kind of got the same hairstyle and beard. And the other thing is that he also has like a weirdly gravelly voice in that. And I, did, I mean, it could be a stretch, but I mean, come on, his dad voiced this character. I don't think the beards are the same. If They're not they the same. The same beard, I would beard, say yes, but I don't good. know. But he he also talks like in that way. Where is it? What you talking, boy? We're talking about the books and the... <laughs> shit, spit that shit out, man. <laughs> so, um, that was another tip. Uh, man, we should review Tropic Thunder, even though it's not a cold movie. I still like that movie a lot. You can maybe count if you squint a bit and if cross your eyes. And, and tilt your head a little. Yeah, yeah, all right. It's a cold movie. We'll call that the... We'll have a series called that. Not really cult, but we're doing it anyway. <laughs> That's like basically my uh the idea I had for just like cop picks. Yeah. Uh so we would do like yeah, Tropic Thunder or Twenty One Jump Street or movies that you and I just kinda always Yeah. Our cult, our mini cult of two. <laughs> the cult of personality mini cult. Of, yeah. Of Luke Matt and, and some guests maybe we can have on. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything you don't really like about this film? I actually surprised it. I liked all the comedy bits, except for one. I just watch and i was like oh was that supposed to be funny uh which is when there's this one another white character i forget what he does in the in the establishment like what his role is what his job is but they keep telling him to use a freight elevator to get up and then one day they're having a meeting and then he just comes in with a gun and just starts shooting everywhere and And then he misses everything and then he misses and i was like oh that wasn't funny at all and then there's also, I think they were trying to do like a Silent Bob gag where they have this security guy. I don't know what his role is. He dresses in all white, with, always has black shades on, doesn't say anything. And then like at the end of the movie, just calls him a sellout or something. And I was like, oh, was that a joke? That was a, that was a big Silent Bob moment. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get that. Um, but yeah, also like pacing, I think is kind of crappy and then another thing is that like it doesn't hit as hard as i wanted to the satire yeah i agree i mean it it's it's not like i mean there's some you know there's some some biting void in this but it, it it's mostly one-off jags and go and and jokes there's nothing besides like the usual barbs that the industries that they're mocking get that i guess aren't in this film Mm -hmm. so i can kind of agree with that um i guess though the nature i mean they had a lot to juggle with this film and and kudos to robert downey senior because i think this is a pretty good script Mm -hmm. um and i know he had a lot of elements and characters to juggle so i guess in that way some of the 
poignancy got lost. And I all I feel like there's maybe too many characters where at parts of, when I was watching this movie I was like, wait, who is this again? Yeah. Like there's these two cowboy characters that just kind of teeter in and out and again like Marion X or Myron X, uh, I didn't really um like I, I didn't really understand what was going on with them. Um and this isn't a critique of the movie, this is just a thing on me. I'm not too in the know of like black culture in the 60s there are a lot of posters of figures up on the walls in this movie and i i really i had no clue who they were and i felt like that was the the posters being in the scene had something to do with the scene and i just didn't know who they were so it was just lost on me i think the general vibe is the big thing there's like there's small like specific jokes here and there of course but for the most part, you're just getting... You're not... I don't think you're missing too much by not being in the know. Considering no. that Robert Downey Sr. probably did not make this film for... Like, for horror black audience, per se. I think anyone can enjoy this black or white. I don't know. At the time? Yeah. I well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that this is the kind of film that would come out and, you know, the white intellectual crowd would come out and say, ah, oh, it's a good movie. Okay. Maybe like the average movie go would be like, "What the fuck is this?" But I'm sure that's you know, same thing with Strange Love. There's this one thing I don't know if it was a joke. It was so small, but they had this commercial with this interracial couple, and it was about. I fucking love that commercial. Me too. It's so. It's like it's for um, face off. Yeah, face off. And I'd like to take my face <laughs> off for a moment while we discuss this. Um, it was just remove your pimples. And the black guy in the commercial, he um, still had, like, a bunch of acne. And I didn't know if that was, like, a joke that, it like, they aren't good. using the product at all. Or if that was just, like, the actor just had acne. I think it might be that. I, like, not that the actor had acne. I think that was part of the joke. Okay. could have just gotten any black guy to do this. Yeah. The commercial is hilarious. Um, maybe we should quickly spotlight all the commercials yeah. if I can remember them. Sure. In this commercial, it's just this uh, couple in love in a field, a white woman and a black man. They're yeah. singing of their love. And they kind of sing in the traditional sing-songy way. But ah. but then they'll throw in, like, these, like, these, uh, like, just these sexual references. I saw like, her beaver flash. Like, he's like, yeah, when we were at the stadium and I saw her beaver, beaver flash. And then, like, later on, she's like, yeah, we dry humped behind the hot dog stand. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And then there's this part where, like, it's like a kaleidoscope. And yeah. you see them kissing. And it was, like, it was, it was, like, a very f funny critique of, like, uh, just those kind of sing-songy commercials that are all yes. like, uh, happy days, yeah. and yippee, yahoo. <laughs> that was great. What other commercials are there? There's so, with your cereal, there's a one where the lady is like Miss New Jersey or something. Yeah, Miss Redneck New Jersey. Yes. And she's being interviewed about, you know, as one does at a pageant about their interests and their passions. Um, and it's like, there's a meta aspect in that commercial where yeah. the actress in the commercial forgets her line yes. and, and the announcer makes fun of her for it. <laughs> and then the commercial, and then he slaps her in the face with a pie <laughs> yeah. and then the commercials are pie. There's another one that was, there's two that I, I like that are just like, what is going on? And part of the joke of these commercials is that the commercials have nothing to do with the products. And that's just, that's and still that's still true, true to, to this yep. day um, where you'll see a, a moving masterwork of cinema and introducing the new honda crv coming to your local dealer 2020 um there's one where this lady is just in a back alley and she's just dancing to some funk music she's this woman in a dress next is homeless man and next to this and there's this homeless man on the side and there's this miss behind her and she comes up to the camera and she says you can't eat your air conditioner and then she just starts <laughs> dancing back. And then the ad is for an electric fan. fan yeah. Electric. Lec apostrophe electric. Yeah. It's called Fan Away. Yeah. It's an electric fan. And then there's one more that was an which is the commercials are like I hope I hope there's like a super cut of all the commercials on YouTube. Cause they, cause they all touch very well on like the more hokey aspects of advertising. Mm -hmm. Like in this one, it just has four women bouncing around on in like this room. In like this padded room, yeah, and they're wearing like the shirts are open and the shirts are see-through anyway. Yeah. 
and like it's like two minutes of just focusing on them and their breasts like bouncing around <laughs> and then this guy comes in they all start tackling him and playing with him and giggling and then you find out that it's for the airline lucky airlines and the only clue is that they ask like volvos with ticket five eight yeah. seven go to the gate number nine please <laughs> And also that dude in that commercial I don't know if that was deliberate that dude looked exactly like Frank Zappa I was like oh he looks like he someone looks like Frank Zappa. I like think, okay yeah that's who it is I don't think that is Frank Zappa but no. he, it's like a Frank Zappa look-alike in his underwear <laughs> for the most part this movie is is a tour de force satire was it's just it's just funny mm-hmm. and it and it's accurate and it's still accurate 51 years later I know which I is, hate advertisements so much. Which is kind of a bummer. Uh, why? Be- because think of just... all think of all the cultural touchstones advertisements have given us. The Noid from Domino's. The, the Noid. Fi- <laughs> the Noid. Remember the Noid? Yeah. Have you ever played the Noid video game? Yo Noid on NES. No, <laughs> but I see it come in store sometimes. Um, Five dollar footlongs. Jared. Nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, <laughs> diarrhea. That's Pepto Bismol. Yeah. See, th- think of the power that advertising has. You know, it's important. Right. You know, it's not important. If we spend five hours a day watching TV, then you know, a good, you know, two hours of that is watching commercials. Yay! So that's a big part of the American experience, Lucas. Yippee! Another commercial. This is kind of like um, the anti-Mad Men. Is Mad Men about advertisement? Yeah. Oh, really? Because Mad Men is... Uh, apparently, the in, in the beginning of Mad Men, it says... Mad Men was a name coined by... Uh, name coined for ad- advertising executives on Madison Avenue, which is also where this agency is supposed to be. Oh, Madison okay. Avenue uh, is like the agent's ad place. It's like the Wall Street of advertisement. Yeah, exactly. And supposedly, um, the term Mad Men was coined by those uh, advertising execs themselves. Gotta love that. Kind of a gotcha moment, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess... I like this film quite a bit. And it's not perfect. And there's stuff that I think even on rewatch won't really gel as well or hold up. In this scene, which is strange that we have before us... It's just one worth highlighting. You have this Nazi scientist and these two circus people and then this random Secret Service agent. And the Secret Service agent is just deadpan telling jokes. Also, the Nazi dude's token up here. Yeah, he's smoking weed. Because earlier he's like, I got some grass and that's some good shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these guys get high as hell on the couch and they're all laughing. And this is like a moment in the film where you realize like, maybe this is a movie for for people on drugs by a man on drugs <laughs> with a son on drugs hey, hey. Oh, oh no no i didn't have you seen that video of uh robert downey jr getting interviewed of course i have where, okay. where he's just like yeah i'm out that was for age of ultron <laughs> yeah. and it's what that one indian reporter who always just on the bbc who is like known for being like he likes to push the buttons and people get pissed at him i think quentin tarantino got pissed at him and he was I the refuse. guy i refuse your question no he was the guy who was like i'm shutting your, your butt, butt down. down yeah 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 when he was Oh, ribbing him about the violence in the film. Yeah, and because it's it, so much fun, Jan. Tarantino's done that a few times, and the refuse thing. So that's that maybe is Tarantino's fault as well. <laughs> he gets that a lot, but yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is like, I'm done. See ya. Yeah, and he just. I leaves. think the question was about his dad too. It was about his dad or his drug use. It was about his. It, he mentions his drug use for sure, and he's like, like, how was that? Like battling those demons, and he's like. I don't really want to talk about that right now. <laughs> like in my Age of Ultron press interview. And like, what a dumbass. Like you're talking to someone you don't know. You don't know this person. And you're just like, hey man, open up to me about your deepest and darkest moments of your life. Celebrities are our friends, Lucas. Oh yeah, they're my friends. And that's why I get such joy when I open up YouTube and I see a new video by Mr. Drake. Beast. Yeah, by Mr. Beast. And you know, Mr. Beast is like my buddy. He was there for me when nobody else was. I gotta be honest with you. Yeah. Mr. Beast doesn't give a shit about you. He doesn't care. I mean, we don't know that. He doesn't care. We don't know that. 
Okay, he wants your clicks and he wants to give people a couple bucks for more clicks and more money. And that's it. Sorry. I'm sorry, man. It happens to the best of us. Drake doesn't like you. She's in love with who <laughs> I am. Back in high school, I used to bust it to the dance. Uh, Is he still any... does. What is that? Oh, <laughs> no! He didn't mean that. I didn't. That was a joke. Purely satire. That was purely satire? Yeah. I don't think Drake is going to send his legal team after us for that. I think uh, a number of radio shows have said a lot worse about him. But uh, He's got enough to do with his son that he doesn't pay attention to. Nah, that was uh, that was a hard shot. <laughs> okay. That one hit different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Woo! Ayo! Is there anything... There's a lot of like small jokes and, and recurring yeah. motifs in the film. Is there anything else we want to touch on? One thing quickly... Um, there's the, they Putney and his girl once they you know make it big and are rich they have this white white maid mm -hmm. um, and there's like a particular and I don't even know his Putney's wife's name in this film me neither she reminded me of Mrs. Uh... Uh, Mrs. Flo Mrs. Flo okay uh, constantly berates this maid and there's a part where they're standing outside of their house and she's like. <laughs> like ripping into her like get in the house get in the house motherfucker and and i think it was very deliberate reverse slavery imagery. yes yes because you have like this big southern estate looking place yeah the huge ass pillars and everything and uh it was kind of it was kind of good like i don't think he meant anything by that but it was just to show that those you know the swopes had uh lost their touch and had yeah sold out yeah i don't think there's any like commentary there really what about the preservation of the whites, the white race, and an existence of well, just to tie up the story, uh, basically the whole pressure on the movie or pressure on Putney Swope throughout the movie is the president says says like I want you to advertise cigarettes, alcohol, and war shit, toy guns, toy guns, and he was like no, 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 and he's like okay, and then he like basically hires people to um to uh just protest outside of his building mm -hmm. which is kind of tea i'll say no this. no 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 that doesn't mean anything that is in no way reflective of today's political climate or any current and event. what the police do during riots and stuff like that no. where they have fake rioters coming in and breaking stuff to agitate people and all that sort of you know, they still do that to this day. And uh, where was it going? Oh, yeah. So, and then at the end, Putney's like, okay, break. Let's advertise tobacco, alcohol, and war. And there's this one funny joke where this guy comes and he's like, I got a new game. It's called Police and Policemen and Demonstrators instead of Cowboys and Indigenous People. And Cowboys and Aliens. Cowboys. <laughs> Did you see that movie? No, I just... I, I saw it I in theaters. I didn't bother. It has Harrison Ford after the year 1980, so I don't need to watch the film. Is he in that? I totally... Uh, yeah. Is... It's him and Daniel Craig, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God. I gotta watch that. That's gonna be next on the uh, <laughs> review slate. Don't you worry. It's actually... Actually, it, now that you mentioned in the ending, Putney doesn't actually... Yeah. So Putney says uh, he caves, mm -hmm. and he says to his group, you know, uh, we're going to start advertising alcohol and cigarettes and stuff. And they're like, we can't believe this, Putney. You're going back on your word. This is immoral. And he walks out with his confidant. He says, I was just testing it. I'm not actually going to do that shit. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to his big stack of money that he has uh, that all the advertising. Uh, bribe like, him. Yeah, he bribe him with. Um, and then you see his posse come on. They're like, you know what, Putney? We're with you till the end of the earth you know if you think it's a good idea we think it's a good idea too and punny's just like you jive turkeys and <laughs> he's just like split up all the money i'm done and give it to everybody except the messenger <laughs> yeah, and, and, the and, and the arab yeah and then the arab is like can i get some money they're like no and he's like okay can i get a light and they're like okay <laughs> And he's holding a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> they give him the light, and then he just throws it into the money bin, and yeah. it all blows up. And that's a. And the last image of the film is just this after the fire has gone out, just this charred money, and this broken glass box, just in this empty warehouse room. And then the credits roll. The one, one more scene I thought was so funny was he uh, Putney needs this idea for this shitty car, 
for a commercial for it. And Dorman he's like, six. Yeah, he's asking his wife for ideas, and she's like, marry me first, basically. And he's like, okay. And then they go and get married, and then he comes home, and he's like, okay, what's the idea for the commercial? <laughs> and she's like, you gotta get a girl, a young girl with a lot of soul. Yeah. And they just keep saying that. And yeah. one guy keeps repeating it. Mr. Swope wants a young girl with a lot of soul. Yeah. Mr. Swope <laughs> wants a young girl with a lot of soul. It's kind of like... Uh, it, I don't know. It, it was just so funny that... Like, it almost seems like a sellout thing to, like, criticizing black people where it's just, like, their idea for commercials is just put a... Put some soul, soul in it, in it. <laughs> to connect with the the youth. There's a lot being lampooned here. The corporate yeah. structure, yeah. Um, yes men, mm-hmm. uh, you know, police brutality. They mentioned a couple times. Yeah. Uh, the presidency politics. It's it's all here. It's a nice little package delivered in Putney Swope. If you're looking for a good '60s send up of things that were. Uh, going on at the time just for me like from with my satire and this one show where it's just focus of mickey mouse is so funny from my satire i like it to be very focused yeah so I, I th- like you can watch a movie and be like okay this thing sucks how do we fix it and again more fo- this more focus on the wall way more focused but with this movie again it's like that's like problem of like uh, i need to hone it in on a couple of things because when it's too like grab bag for me i i just get lost in the satirical sauce yeah i feel that because then there's a there's a lot going on in this movie arguably maybe a little bit too much but i can respect robert downey senior with because i guess this is kind of his magnum opus mm-hmm. making a, a pretty uh you know overarching and a pretty well-rounded take on politics at the time Mm-hmm. I wonder if he has any experience with advertising specifically. I found that like a lot of people seem to get their start in advertising. We I forget which movie it was, but we reviewed a movie recently where I looked it up, and they're like, "Oh, it was um Texas Chainsaw Ma- Massacre." Toby Hooper had worked in advertising. Do you know how Michael Bay got a start in advertising? He did the God Milk commercials. Really? Yeah, he made those, and that was his start. Uh, he got he got money from that. He's like, hmm, what if I make some movies and then oh yeah, Transformers one two three four five. Which is funny because the Gaunt Milk thing is kind of ties into this movie where it's just a government controlled and advertised thing. Like they put so much money into it, and it's so weird because it's a product we do not need. I always think about that. Like I like milk and cheese, but it's always strange when the Canadian government is like support dairy farmers now because it's just easy money. It's just like they milk their cows and we buy it for five, six dollars. But it's just something we don't need. And the government's like, drink up, drink it, come on. Eggs are good for you. <laughs> Start of a healthy breakfast. Um, sorry, what were we talking about before? Then? Do you want to cheese it up with extra cheese? Yeah, but I'm just going to be farting the next day. <laughs> well, that's okay, as long as you're doing your civic duty. Um, oh, uh, yeah, Toby Cooper worked in... Um, commercials and advertisement and so did uh george a romero yeah before they well and i guess it's a stepping stone for a lot of people to more creative stuff where they're like fuck this man <laughs> this is just dead of they, it. they even touch a lot on like the creative aspects of adver- advertisements and how uncreative they are they talk a lot about like creative inspiration there's one scene when punny rallies everybody and he says you all got money. Make your own idea. Yeah. I'm going to fund them. Stop watching TV. Stop reading, reading the magazines, news. Yeah. Stop reading newspapers. Get new ideas. Yeah. And then he gets a couple ideas that are like hilariously stupid and he <laughs> fires those guys. And the funny thing is he steals their ideas and yes. claims it as his own for the rest of the film. And there's just a there's just some nice touches like that in the film that really that really put the whipped cream and the cherry on top. Um, how much you rain this sucker? We done? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's a four-bagger. Okay. Nice. Alright, that's the end of the show, guys. <laughs> uh, thanks for watching, uh, listening, and uh, it's been a slice. For me, uh, it's gotta be a good seven. Seven bags? Yeah. A clean seven-bagger? Yeah. I just need to be a bit focused, but it's funny as hell. How, much, how much butter? 
A drizzle? Yeah, a drizzle. It's free. So, I'll, yeah, I'll take some. Well, we're just assuming it's not, you know. Well, I'm telling you it is. Do you think there are local theaters giving away popcorn for free? Probably. They're doing everything they can to stay afloat. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. No advertisement for our social media today. Uh, but... But you know where to go. Next week... We are doing Brain Dead. Also known as um, Dead Alive. Yes. Um, and then after that, Matthew had a secret pick, which he kept from me, but now he must tell me or else. So, let me the week a, after that... Let me take a look at my list. Okay. I, I, I've been trying to get Matthew to watch Brain Dead for probably over a year now. And now what is happening? It was at uh, Park Theater, but we missed it. Yeah. We always miss it, bro. What? Oh, my God. Bring that is so good. Yeah, I know what we got to do. What are we doing? And you're not going to like it. Okay. And it's a horror film. And, you know, some people say it had its cult status thrust upon it. You know it had to be Sharknado. It's not a horror film. I guess it is. It is. Well, uh... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let's kind go. Of, kind of the the room of a horror pick. but You, you know, might as well get around to it. I know that you're never going to pick that yourself. So, And this is the best excuse I got. I've Am seen I, the movie like two or three times. I haven't seen oh, really? it ever. Yeah. Is it good? I, wa I saw it in like the perfect setting. I was at my quasi cousin, you know, like your family friend who was basically your cousin. Yeah. Went over to their place. They're like, "You want to watch a really bad movie?" I was like, "What is it?" Sharknado. I was like, "Okay." And we watched. I'm like, "This is so bad." <laughs> like, I think like I watched it like the year it came out. Um, and okay, wait. Let's take a look. Sharknado came out... 2015. 2015. Yeah. No, actually, it was 2013. Yeah, that sounds about right. Probably how old I was. How many movies are we at? Five? Yeah. Sharknado, Sharknado 2, the second one. But Shark even the first one was, like, self-aware. It was made poorly on purpose, I believe. No, I know. That's why I said it had its cult status. Like, some people are don't like this movie because it's, oh, it's just, it's so bad, it's good, but it's actually just bad. Like, it's trying too hard to be silly funny. Well, that's like, that's what the, uh, They Live is. The, Not the, so bad, it's good, they but... They Live is way, it's different. I know, if, but it's the same idea where, like, when we reviewed it, and you agreed with me, I said, like, I feel like this movie's trying to be a cult movie. Yeah, but that's just because John Carpenter is also a, a strange man. Yeah, he's a strange man. So, you know. Did you know that the he said that the um the video game they live or sorry, the thing is the canon sequel to the movie? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that that reminds me of uh, the Ghostbusters game. Which has all the voice actors and is basically considered Ghostbusters three. Really? Yeah, it it has all, and it's weird because like the game's not that popular. I think Ghostbusters fans like it, but it came out like a few years ago and they just remastered it. But yeah, that's like considered Ghostbusters three because it was also written, I think, by Dan Aykroyd, um, and maybe I don't I don't think Bill Murray, but Dan Aykroyd like helped pen the script. So yeah, it's like Ghostbusters three. What console is it for? I mean, you can. It came out for PS3, Xbox 360. Now it's on PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. Really? Yeah. What style like is it in? Is it just kind of in the? It's just like a normal, realistic game. Yeah. looking. Yeah. Okay. And it's and the, you just suck up ghosts in your big gun. Kind of a rip off of Luigi's Mansion, but whatever. Well, one day we're gonna have to review Ghostbusters, unfortunately. Um, it's not gonna be. A, that's not gonna be a positively received episode no is, maybe we can circumvent this we can do the ghostbusters the new one no and right, maybe we can do ghostbusters too yeah no <laughs> <laughs> whenever i think of ghostbusters i think of this one thing in uh the big bang theory where they're getting a gift for someone or they oh they got um they went to a garage sale and picked up a box 
um, of a bunch of nerd shit, and they're like, oh, it's a Ghostbusters script with real, like, slime on it. And they move the slime, it's like, oh, it's Ghostbusters 2. And they're all sad. And then there's, like, um, the one ring prop in the box, and then they fight it over it all episode. Hey, that's a good episode of that show. Yeah. And they, you know what joke they say in that show that I still say to this day? What? There was, like, yeah, I know a buddy who works in, like, Howard was saying this, who works in, like, underground props. He can get you, like, anything you want, and he lists off a few, and then he's like, you know, like, screen use of her underwear. Uh, <laughs> Based. <laughs> give me some, give me in on that action, my yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, next episode, uh, our mini review will be that episode of Big Bang. So we'll watch that episode. Do I have that on DVD? I have season three DVD. And it's from the the good seasons, which is one through three. So we'll watch that and uh, we'll give you bags for next week. And then the week after that, we got to, you know, we might just wait till Lower Decks is uh, finished the season and then we'll just clear it out then and then give it a big... I don't want to watch the show. Well, it's not... Sometimes you don't get what you want, but... Uh, rather, you get what you need, Lucas, and I think we need to g- need to give the people what they want. So, that was so many album references. <laughs> you got the Clive or the Kinks, who did give the people what they want. Wasn't that the Kinks? Yeah, you got the Kinks. You got a daughter's reference in there. There was too much going on in that sentence. That was that was jam packed. Just like every episode of Cult of Personality, it's well, got jam packed with content, incisive commentary, and. And it's got some cool guys on it, too. We'll do a review of Floral Shop next. Uh, no, that'll be our quickie that's, review. That's when that's when it gets too out of hand. And Luke is like, oh, can we review uh, you know, the new Daughters, the new Swans <laughs> album or some shit? And that's when, that's when I exit the project. Okay? That's when we sell out. So cool it. All right. That's about it. That's about it. Next week, uh, Dead Alive slash Brain Dead. Week after that, Sharknado to kick off Horror Month. Yeah. And then we're going to get into some actually good movies after that. So Yeah, after Sharknado. Buckle up. See you then.